thank you guys. Man, what a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing you have going on here. Amazing. Absolutely. I didn't know that that pastor said, did you know that that was a family you called up there? I just called up hungry people and the whole family was hungry. I said, did I miss anybody? No, you called them all up there. Glory to God. That was awesome. Awesome stuff. Looked up, man, it's, it's going on one o'clock and you're just sitting there still pressing into God. What a great, great thing that is going on here. Aren't, and I just want you to know, these kind of things just don't happen. The reason why this church is here and the reason why it is going on to actually going into the third phase of what the vision for this house is, is because you guys have amazing pastors, Rob and Donna Baker. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, well, praise God. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he good? Hallelujah. And uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but the word of the Lord just came to me and and of course, you know what to do with the word of the Lord. You're a wise man. You'll know what the bears witness in your spirit. But you guys will never get to retire. It'll never happen. It'll change, but it'll never be. You will, you will be in the ministry changing and building lives until you call, and you're called to go to heaven. Amen? And ultimately, that'll be the, 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 the man that raises up and steps up and takes your place he's going to have to be instructed to pull the trigger on you often because you'll be a tendency to back off to do that thing. You know, I'm going to let him have his job. I'm going to let him do his thing. But uh, if he leaves that bullet in the gun, he's an idiot. Let's tell you right now, whoever that is. Hallelujah. He won't be an idiot because he's going to walk in the, in the wisdom of God in Jesus' name. So you're stuck with this pastor and his wife for a long, long time. You know. Hallelujah. Because what? You retire and do what? You'd be bored out of your brains in the first two weeks. I mean, you just like, I mean, how many, how many fish can you catch and be excited about it? Glory to God. How many golf balls can you hit? Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? He's so good. If you have your Bibles, turn me please to the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 22. Hallelujah. The book of Mark, chapter 5, and verse 22. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 22 says, And behold, in uh, Kentucky that means, look at here. <laughs> look at here. One of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. Watch this. And Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. I want you to notice something about Jairus. Jairus had arrived. He was a ruler of the synagogue. He's one of the few people in Israel who's actually allowed to own property. He's one of the few people in the end of the Roman Empire that was allowed to have any kind of wealth because of his position in the synagogue. Matter of fact, these people in the synagogue are some of the same people that are going to be conniving together and trying to figure out how to crucify Jesus in just a few short, in a few short years. And Jairus has arrived. He was who's who in the charismatic zoo. He had come to that place where he was there. His picture was on the picture of the evangel or whatever it is. His picture, he's right. He was one of the guys that was on TBN talking to people about tucking in that love gift and all that. This guy had arrived at this place, but something happened. His little girl is lying at the point of death. And he'd heard about Jesus. I mean, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When she had heard about Jesus, he heard about Jesus, and he went in there and he fell at Jesus' feet and besought him greatly. You know what he did? He dropped his pride and he dropped his dignity. Can I tell you something? There is no such thing as a casual miracle. There is no such thing as a as casual victory. There is no such thing as a casual breakthrough. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it by force. You pretty well got to make up your mind. I'm fed up and I'm tired of where I am. And I, I, need, I need Jesus to touch me right where I am. There's a little... 
there's a city slicker one time went into one of the back roads, probably down in, in Hardin County someplace, and he, he was lost as a duck. I mean, he was lost, man. And he did not worry where he was, so he found this old country store. You guys, you guys know, you guys are from Kentucky, you know country store, don't you? He pulls inside of there, and all the guys are sitting outside whittling and spitting and lying to one another and everything. And this country boy walks in there, and he asks the owner of the, of the country store. He said, uh, I need the directions to so-and-so place. But he noticed over in the corner there was a, a hound dog. And that hound dog was just... He said, what's wrong with your dog? You guys, I don't have, I'm in Kentucky. I, you guys know what dog is, don't you? And I pastor, when I pastor a church in Florida, I got all these Yankees. I have to stop and interpret dog. <laughs> but you guys know what dog is. He said, what's wrong with your dog? He says, he's laying on a nail. He said, why don't he move? He said, it don't hurt bad enough yet. <laughs> you know, that's where a lot of people are. They like to moan and gripe and complain about where they are, but it doesn't hurt bad enough to move yet. But I'm praying that today during this message and while we're preaching to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a Holy Ghost anointing come on you where you make up your mind. I don't have to live one more day like this. Greater is he that's in me than he that lives in the world. No weapon formed against me can prosper. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement I needed to obtain peace is upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. I was young and now I'm older. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Anybody know? what I'm talking about here. He said, if you train up your child in the way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. I pray there comes a fed up anointing come on you tonight where you make up your mind saying, hey, I'm not living one more day like this in Jesus' name. I want everything God has for me. I want everything God has for my church. He dropped his pride and he his, dropped his dignity and fell down at Jesus' feet and began to besought, he besought him greatly. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You've got to make up your mind right now. I don't have anything if I don't have him. Isn't that what he told the lukewarm Laodicean church? He says, you're rich and you're increased in goods, but you don't even realize you're blind, wretched, naked, and you ain't got nothing. He said, come, come back. I'm, I'm standing at the door and knocking, and if you'll let me in, I'll come in and sup with you and fellowship with you. You've got to make up your mind. What I'm doing is not working, and any idea I have in the natural will not work in these last days that I'm in. I need you like I've never needed you before. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I've got to have you in my life. He got down. He's made up his mind. Hey, God, Jesus, come Lay your hands on my daughter and she shall live. Now, I want you to know something about Jairus. He didn't pray the problem. He prayed the answer. Now, notice he didn't ignore the problem. He said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. So he wasn't ignoring the problem. But with the problem, he prayed the answer. But if you'll come, you'll lay hands on her. She shall live. She shall live. Now, how do you pray the answer like that? We have to have something stirred up on the inside of you called hope. Hope is earnest expectation. Hope is the picture that you get from the Word of God by looking at this book until all of a sudden you see yourself healed. You see yourself with your needs met and being out of debt and having plenty more to put in store. You see yourself with your sons and daughters sitting all down the road on this side and your grandkids sitting on that side with their hands lifted up, praying in the Holy Ghost and glory to God, falling in love with you. You've got to see it on the inside because until you see it on the inside and begin to speak what you see, you'll never have it on the outside. Are you listening to me? Hope. Hope is the divine picture of what God says you could have and what God says you can do and what God says you can be. You must have hope. You must have that on the inside of you. Look at, keep your ribbon there. We'll be back in, in Mark chapter 5, but look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. If you love the word, say amen. 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 Aren't you glad you're in a word church tonight? Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise. So they were, listen, they were strange. They didn't know what belonged to them, having no hope and without God in the world. And do you know they are Christians 
that they are born again and on their way to heaven, but they're still a stranger to their covenant. And because they're a stranger to what belongs to them, they don't have a picture on the inside of them. They have no hope on the inside of them. And God is putting that picture back where it belongs on the inside of you. Proverbs chapter 13. Look, watch this now. Proverbs chapter 13 in verse 12. Hallelujah. This still has to do with the prophetic word I just gave to your pastor about never retiring. I mean, to do that, you've got to have a picture of something besides just marking time. Vision is about to explode in this place. Hey, Amen. You had five years of favor. Amen. And then he showed you what you're going to do the next five years. Has this man of God not delivered everything he said God would do? And now we're coming to the end of that next, that, 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 we're in that ninth year, going in, this, in the tenth year. And can I tell you something? You had not even got started good yet. There's going to be a picture that's going to explode inside of this pastor and his wife and inside of the team here. And you, I'm telling you, folks, this, this church is strategically placed right here in Louisville, Kentucky for an end-time harvest like this area has never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, it says, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's the tree of life. Hope deferred. Disappointment. It's there to make your heart sick. Do you know why the devil wants to have your hope deferred? See, hope, when you say someday we're going to do that, that's deferred. You're not believing for it now, but, you know, someday, maybe someday, you know, case Sarah, Sarah, and if the planets all line up, which we don't believe in that stuff anyway, you know, but, you know, whatever it is, you know, whenever God's ready, you know, after all, God's in control. That's the biggest lie, the body of Christ. God is not in control. If God's in control, we're in trouble. What a mess this place is in. You know, watch, you watch the news, you know, oh, well, God's in control. Let me tell you something. God Jesus said, all power has been given unto me both in heaven and earth. If Jesus has all power and all authority, how much does that leave the devil? But then he told you to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus. He put us in charge of this planet. He put the church in charge to go and make a difference everywhere you go. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. You are the light in this dark planet. Do you understand what I'm talking about right now? And the devil tries to come and get you, get your hope deferred because then it makes your heart sick. Once you put your hope off to the future and you're no longer believing for it right now, your heart becomes sick and and that's very, very important because your heart's what you believe with. The Bible says, with the heart, man believeth unto salvation. And when your heart is sick, you're messed up. But God's going to heal your heart. Why? Because he's going to put hope back on the inside of you. And there's going to, it's like, the, man, the, the TV, it's like the, the picture is going to become so developed and so real on the inside of you. You're going to leave here tonight with the beginnings of knowing, while I'm, why am I still on this planet? Why am I still here and my loved ones are over in heaven? God, what is the purpose and the plan that you put on the inside of me? And that is going to be the hope and the picture and the vision God puts on the inside of you tonight. Any area of our lives for which we have no hope is under the influence of a lie. God is the God of hope. You know one thing, you know one thing you'll never hear God say to you? What's the use? Why don't you just give up and move on to another prayer assignment? That's never going to happen. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just silly. That's as silly as getting to heaven and saying, I mean, nobody's going to get to heaven and go, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not hell. I mean, it's nice, but I think they get a little carried away preaching about it. I, you know, it's golden street. I mean, you know, you, how many it's going to take 10,000 years just to close your mouth? Oh. That's the same kind of ridiculousness. Think that what's the use? Don't pray for that any longer. That's beyond hope. You need to move to something else. Can I tell you something? With God, 
all things are possible. All things are possible to them believe. Any believers in the house today? Hallelujah. God's going to put that picture on the inside of you. Glory to God. You see, hope gives faith a target. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now hope in itself has no substance. Hope is just the picture. So you have to take that picture and then take faith-filled words and begin to fill that picture until those faith-filled words begin to bring that picture on the inside of you to pass. It's like when you, when you build a brand new building, you get the blueprints. And that build blueprint tells you where the bathrooms are, tells you where the house is, tells you where the basement is, it tells you where the garage is. But how many know that paper by itself doesn't have any substance to it? It won't keep the rain out in the storm. You may know what I'm talking about. It won't keep you warm at night. But how many know when you take that blueprint and go buy some two by fours and some trusses and some concrete and some bricks and, so, and, put, and some wiring and some plumbing, pretty soon you're putting substance to things hope for. Hope is the thermostat. Now, it's not like the thermostat that one guy, him and his wife was all the time fussing about the, the, uh, the temperature of the house. She was always cold. He was always hot. And she was one of these ladies that thought like, well, you know, if I'm cold, if I put it on 80, it'll get to 70 quicker. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. <laughs> And so they built, they built, he built his wife a new house. And so he put that thermostat up there, but it wasn't hooked to nothing. The real thermostat was downstairs, and she would just sit there and play with it. It made her feel better. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to get back up here where it's safe. I mean, that just turned on me just like that. How many of you guys wished I hadn't said that out loud? I told you that in private. So oh, that's a really good idea. But you know what that thermostat does? It tells that heating unit how hard to work to get the temperature to what the thermostat says it's supposed to be. And that unit will work and work and work until it gets up to the desired result of that thermostat. That's what hope is. Hope sets the thermostat. And what God is going to do in this service the next few moments, he is going to let you put your thermostat on the miraculous. He's going to let you put your thermostat on signs and wonders and miracles. He's going to let you put your thermostat on doing exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that we ask or think according to the power that works on the inside of us. We're turning up the pot. Folks, all you got to do is make the funnel bigger. Do you know what I'm talking about? God is all powerful and he's only limited to our small expectation. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to get our expector ready and we're going to begin to expect God to do things like we've never dreamed of. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, cancers will disappear, the fire of God will get so strong in some buildings, people will walk in that building with metal in there and the metal will melt like wax in the presence of the Lord and they'll go back and get the x-ray and the metal will be gone. Why? I'm already beginning to see it happen in the ministry. I'm here to tell you this is the time for signs and wonders. This is the time to not dream little dreams. It's time to dream big dreams in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. Man, I like it here. This, is, this place feels like revival. Seriously, Trish, it feels like we've been here a week preaching. And it just, I mean, we came in here this morning. You guys are already on fire. This is amazing what God's doing here. I know, you did. I don't listen. Did I tell you Hebrews 6? Go ahead and turn there then. That's good. I'll look at verse 18. He says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as the anchor to your soul. You know what that, you know what your soul is? Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And when you lose your hope you have no more anchor. Your emotions just, 
The, 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 the fact, like I said this morning, the facts of the Word of God don't matter. My emotions, just, oh, it just feels like, uh, your will. You have no will. You have no place to focus your energy of your will because your, your hope has been deferred. But that picture that God is about to give you on the inside of you, and you're going to be, take that picture, and it's going to become the anchor to your soul. And once you get that, the Bible says that picture enters in behind the veil. That rent veil that was rent 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ said it is finished. And we have access into the very throne of God by the blood of Jesus. And we can see ourselves. You've got to see yourself coming before your Father, not with your hat in your hands and crawling on your knees, but coming in boldly, knowing that I'm the right righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I didn't ask for this right you gave it to me and you told me to come boldly and make my petitions known unto you folks God is not upset when you ask him big he's looking for somebody to act like the word of God so he's looking for somebody to believe that what he said he would do he is able to accomplish inside of me hallelujah look at Romans 4 17 Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Man, I love the Word of God, don't you? Romans chapter 4, 17th verse says, now excuse me because I'm reading out of the New King James, but I still have a King James brain. It, so it, it, it just, bear with me here. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. This is talking about Abraham. In the presence of him whom he believed. For God... For, for believe, who believe God, let me read again. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls those things that do not exist as though they do. Now, can I tell you, that's what faith does. Here's what faith doesn't do. Faith doesn't call things that exist, that do exist, as, as they don't. That's denial. Faith is not saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. No, you're sick. Faith is saying, if you ask my nose if I'm sick, it'd say yes. If you ask my doctor if I'm sick, he'd say yes. If you ask all the Kleenex pile around my, my recliner if I'm sick, that Kleenex pile would say yes. But I didn't ask my recliner, and I didn't ask my doctor, and I didn't, ask, I didn't ask anybody else. I asked the Word of God, and the Bible says, with His stripes, I am healed. So I'm, just, I'm saying about me something that does not exist. I am healed. God says you're healed, you're healed. If God says your needs are met, they're met. Some people say, like, you know, I just kind of feel like I'm lying, though, when I say that I'm healed and I still feel bad. You know what I'm talking about? Here's the deal. I said it again. Man. Can God lie? Is God a liar? If you said yes, just move away from that person. Just like, uh. <laughs> Can God lie? The Bible says, let every man be a liar. Let God's word be true. Well, God says you're healed. God says, I will supply all of your need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So when I say about me what God says about me, let every man be a liar. But let God's word be true. Can you say amen? Look at this next verse. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your seed be. Can I come down here and talk to you all for a minute? Yeah. Hallelujah. Who against hope believed in hope. Yeah. If you write in your Bible, that first hope right up there and put natural hope. How many of you go to, to the doctor and you go have a surgery that before you go into the surgery, they tell you all the percentages of how this might not work. You know, you could get this, and you could get staff, and you could get this. You could die on the operating table. The anesthesia could do this. And we give you a certain, certain percentage of doing this. Why? Based on what they know in the natural, this is all the hope they can give you. So sometimes 
we got some hope based on what we what are we we've seen it. We've seen other people with the same diagnosis of cancer. We've seen other churches go through things that we're going through. We've seen other families go through what we, we see happening to our children. And in the natural, it doesn't look like there's any hope. But against natural hope, I believe in, the next one is Bible hope. And the Bible says that Bible hope never disappoints. Why? Because it cannot lie. And so what I've got to do is I've got to change the picture from the natural to what God says I can have in the supernatural. I can do what he says I can do, and he can, I can be what he says I can be. Can somebody say amen? amen? So against natural hope, I believe in Bible hope. Yes. According to what was spoken, it says, so shall thy seed be. Now watch this. Abraham is almost 100 years old and never had a baby. And God says, Abraham, can you number the stars of the sky? One, two, God, I can't know. He says, so shall your seed be. Abraham, do you know how many sands are on the, on the, on the seashore? See if you can number them. He says, God, I can't even number a handful. He said, look as far as you can that way and as far as you can look that way. So shall your seed be. What was God giving him? A picture. When Sarah went month after month and she still wasn't pregnant. When they went year after year and she still wasn't pregnant. He'd look up those those stars and God, you said, so shall my seed be. The Bible says that after Abraham had that baby when he was 99 years old, his wife was not much older. When he had that baby, God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, and take him up on the mountain and have him killed. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Abraham did it by faith because he received his son back in a figure. You know what that means? God, I don't know what I, how this is going to work out, but you said in Isaac, my seed will be blessed. Not Ishmael, not Eliezer, my servant. You said in Isaac shall my seed be blessed. So when I, if, I, if you cause me to kill my son and I have to burn him up till he's nothing up by ashes, I believe that you're able to raise my son up out of these ashes because you gave me a picture. So shall my seed be. When you get that picture, it becomes an anchor to you. And you walk into the throne room of grace saying, God, I didn't write this. I didn't write this. You're the one that says, with your stripes, I'm healed. You're the one that said that you supply all of my need. You're the one that said, if I train up my child in the way they should go, when they're old and not depart. I didn't write this. But God, you said, so shall my body be. So shall my ministry be. Folks, you've got to get that picture and then you walk into the throne room of God and say, God, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what I believe. And I believe your word. And your word cannot lie. I take it right now in Jesus' name. And you begin to praise him. When you can't see it on the outside, you can still lift up your hands because you can see the stars, the sky. And you can say, so shall my seat be. You may not have a picture of the stars, but you've got a picture of my kids worshiping God. I've got a picture of my grandbabies singing and prophesying and casting out devils. i got a picture of this ministry impacting this area until people come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because they're all with sickness and disease and problems. And they get their life turned around because they hear the truth in this house. And the truth sets them free. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, turn back over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Ha <laughs> Where do we get to? Yeah, I see that. He got down to 23. He begged him earnestly. Mark chapter 5, verse 23. Saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. 
Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman, now he, Jesus is on his way to his house. And there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Guess how old his daughter was? 12 years old. A certain woman that had an issue of blood 12 years and spent all that she had, it was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the behest behind to touch his clothes, for she said, Amplified Bible says, she said and kept on saying, when I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. When I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. When I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She got rid of all of her excuses. She said, you know what? I know it's not legal for me to touch Jesus like this. If I touch a rabbi and I being a woman, they're going to stone me. On top of that, I got a continual flow of menstrual uh, blood coming out of me. If they found out that I touched a rabbi or any man because I did that, they'll take me out and stone me. Besides all that, I don't have money to go over there and see Jesus. I wished he'd come by and see me. I spent all the money I have. Let me tell you something, though. But if they stone me, they're going to stone a healed woman because when I touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. It's going to be the most glorious 10 minutes of my life because I'm going to be through with this blood because when I touch his garment, I shall be made whole. And Jesus, when she reached out and touched him, the Bible says Jesus felt power come out of his body. And he turned around about to see the, 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 what happened. He said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, you see the th multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who touched me? And the woman, fearing and trembling, came down before him and told him all. All right, take note here. She told him the whole story. How long had she been sick? Twelve years. How many doctors she been to? All of them. You know what that means? It wasn't just anybody that told him. It was a woman. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. What happened to you, lady? Well, I first noticed something, and Jairus is going, oh, God. And then that was the third year, and then the fourth. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> and then that doctor said, do you know what he said to me? He said, that, you know what I said to him? She, she told it all. <laughs> you know that lady. <laughs> Then I got this surgery scar right here, and I got. <laughs> she told it all. His daughter has got moments to live. Jesus is going with him, and we're just now in the eighth year. <laughs> Ladies, make a faith confession. We love you, Brother Tim. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Need one of them bulletproof plexiglass ones. It's just getting, it's <laughs> the Bible says that while the woman was talking, from the ruler of Jairus's house came and said, "Why do you trouble the master any longer? The little girl is dead." You know what they were saying? What's the use? It's done too late if that woman had <laughs> maybe we would have got there in time but look what Jesus did hallelujah verse 35 and while he was still speaking some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said your daughter is dead why trouble us you the teacher any further and as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken he said unto the ruler of the synagogue do not be afraid only believe right before your miracle I'm 58 years old I've been doing this since 1982 been doing it in faith since about 1988, where God began to learn, teach me some things about believing for miracles. So I'm not a novice. 
I've seen a few miracles. I've watched tumors fall off of babies' faces. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears unstop. I've seen all kinds of things. But can I tell you something? Every time, just before you get your miracle, there's always going to be somebody say, what's the use? It looks like it's getting worse. It's not getting better. It looks like they're fixing to come and take everything you own. What's the use? You know, you better do this and you better do that. And it won't do right, but maybe it'll make it a little better. And you just you get to run it. Can I tell you something? When you're this close to your, and by the way, I'm prophesying to somebody right now. Some of you are this close to your breakthrough. If you knew how close you were to breaking through the wall of what you can see with your natural eye into the realm of the supernatural of God manifesting everything that your heart desire, you'd be shouting and jumping up and down and running right now because I'm telling you, I know, I know. And folks, can there's something else I found? You never get your miracle until you get the wine out of your voice. Why? I've had some wine in my voice and not the kind you drink. <laughs> and listen, if you've got wine in your voice, I'm not making fun of you. I get it. I get, listen, I get it. If I, tried, if I was going to trade my pile of problems, your pile of problems, I'd probably get you have your problems back. I, said, I have no idea what you're going through. But I do know this. You will not get your victory. No one ever gets healed. I don't understand, God, Jesus. Don't you understand? I just don't understand. I'm God. You know, the people that get healed, when I touch the hem of his garment, I'm being healed whole. God, your word says, with your stripes, I'm healed. Your word says, you promised me, Lord God. You promised me that my children will be healed. You promised me, Lord, and you cannot lie. And listen, don't judge your theology based on past tragedies. You didn't know then what you know now. And don't judge what you're going through based on what somebody else going You don't know what was in their heart. You don't know what they were saying. You don't know how all of a sudden they just got tired of fighting. And made up, you know what? I could just let go and go be with Jesus. And what the heck is wrong with that? It's like the guy comes up to you, give me all your money or I'm going to shoot you. Give me all your money, I'm going to send you to heaven. I'm going to give you a tidbit, and I can't stay on it because I've got to finish this story. But your faith will dip, dip, step into another level when you stop being afraid to die. You're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. I'm going to believe God. What if I do die? The first thing that come out of my, Father, I believe, I receive. I thank you, God, for my healing. I thank you, God, I will live and not die. Hello, Jesus. <laughs> hey! But I fought the good fight. I kept the faith, Lord. God, I kept swinging to the last one. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Are you listening to me? I'm not afraid to die. I finally, I'm not afraid. Some people, the reason why they do everything the doctor says is because they're afraid to die. You need to listen to the Holy Ghost and say, when he tells you, you need to do this and you need to listen on the inside, does that bear right witness on the inside of you? Well, the doctor won't let me die. The doctor works for you. You don't work for the doctor. Well, the doctor won't let me die. The, do the doctor works for you. And if you hung around doctors like your pastor and I do as pastors, and we see what the medical, listen, they're great doctors and they're great nurses. Some of the finest people on the planet are in the medical profession, but the system is severely broken and cannot be repaired. 85 years old, well, maybe we can give them this. What are we trying to do here? Sell more drugs? You gotta ask you, is this gonna help? Well, probably not, but we'll try. Let's go home, Dad. But when you get to the place, I'm not afraid to die. When you get to the place, I'm not afraid to fail. I've been made fun of before. I ain't afraid to fail. My God has never let me down. He said, do not afraid, only believe. And they walked inside of there. 
And all the people were wailing and carrying on. He said, the little girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And that ticked them off, and they started turning on him. He kicked everybody out of the house except for the mom and the dad. And they walked in there with Peter, James, and John, the mom and dad. And he said, daughter, he put it, tucked her by the hand. Talitha Kumai. She got up and walked. Why? He had to touch her because that's what Jairus said. He had to touch her because that's where he released his faith. You lay your hands on her, she shall be healed. And when she touched him, the power, resurrection power came into her body and she sat up and she was hungry because she was 12 years old. Because all 12 year olds are hungry. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll, I'll close with this. We were broken out of the will of God living in Lebanon, Tennessee. It was the third week in October. We all gonna we're going to celebrate this year. Third week in October. I believe it's the third week in October because the third week of October, guess who Tennessee always plays? Stinking Alabama. It used to be fun. Hasn't been fun in a long, long time. But back in those days, it was still fun. <laughs> And I remember, my, I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me in the middle of that ball game, saying, you need to get up and pray. Have you ever had that spirit of prayer come on you before? Did you all enjoy the service this morning? Yeah. How many of you know the, the prayer team was a huge part in making that? Don't stop what you're doing. Keep praying. Keep believing God. I'm telling you, huge. That wasn't just good preaching this morning. There was a lot of things going on in that service to set people free. It was prayer. It was the, it was the ministry of helps doing what they were doing. It was, it was just powerful. When, when the anointing and the word came together with the unity in this house, it's powerful. And I didn't get up and pray. I put it off. I waited until halftime. I went to pray. And how many know God doesn't bless your disobedience? <laughs> The heavens were brown away. And so I went, and, I, and we're going to have a cookout on Sunday afternoon. This is Saturday afternoon, and we're getting together. This I got my daughter, Michelle, with me because my, my wife is at work at Kroger uh, doing some stuff. Like I said, we're broken out of the will of God, and she's trying to make, we're trying to make a living and pastoring this little church and living in Tennessee, and we're getting some things ready. But we didn't know that a, some draft horses had walked up into the pasture right behind where we're working to get ready for this outing that we're going to have at our church cookout, hayride kind of thing, that type of thing. And these draft horses, not quarter horses, I mean the kind that pull the sleds and stuff. They came and came up beside there, and I didn't know that they were there. And Michelle just got away from me. And we, she had a little friend with her named Michael Jean. It was the, the grandson of the man that I rode over there in his pickup truck with. And so they went over there, and, and pretty soon Michael Jean started, as I'm talking to the owner of the place, he said, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim. I said, what is it? He goes, Shell, she went to go ride the horsey. That's my, my daughter, Michelle. She went to go ride the horsey, and the horsey went like this, and she's asleep. And about that time, I heard her scream. She wasn't asleep now. I heard her screaming. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. They're screaming, and then they're screaming something bad wrong. She was screaming, and I went on the other side of this blue GMC truck, and I saw my daughter standing there next to those horses with the whole side of her face caved in. Her eye was out of the socket. The bones were crushed in her face. It was just a mess. Blood was just everywhere. She had walked. She was so little, she just walked underneath, the little three-year-old walked right underneath this little uh, electric fence, and she wanted to go ride the horsey because at Kroger, they had a, you put a penny in there, and they had a little you know, the mechanical thing, and so all horses are the same. She's going to ride this horsey like she rode the other one. It kicked her in the face. I jumped over that fence and grabbed her up in my arms. And I said, you will live and not die. And you declare the wonderful works of God. And she looked up at me and said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. And then she said, yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And then she stopped and said, and with his stripes, I'm healed. <laughs> Immediately the blood stopped. And we were just praising God and and she was apologizing for getting blood on my shirt and things like that. And so you know what we did? We took that little girl to the emergency room. I said, we took that little girl to the emergency room. See, just because you're believing God doesn't mean you don't have to go to the doctor. But when you go to the doctor, you better keep the faith switch turned on. 
We were going to the emergency room, but we didn't put our trust in the emergency room. You can take your medicine, but don't put your trust in the medicine. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can go to the doctor, you can go to physical therapy, but you're putting your trust in the Most High God. You're expecting any moment now, this is the last time I'll ever have to take this medicine. This is the last time I'll ever have to do this physical therapy. This is the last time I'll ever have to get up out of this wheelchair because you got a picture on the inside of you of what God says you could have and says you could be. Now, this is going to be weird to some of y'all, but this guy had a phone in his truck. I know. It's like 19, what, 91, something like that. So having a phone in the truck, it was like $37 a minute, but it had a phone in his truck. And he called my wife at Kroger. And we got there to the hospital, and they're working on her. And my wife in her little Kroger uniform and little Kroger hat on, you know, she come busting in that door. Because when your little girl's about to die, you don't care if anybody knows you're Pentecostal or not. And when I laid her hand on my little girl and said, you will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. And about the time she said that and she's over there with Michelle, the, Bible, uh, the, the, the nurse says she's posturing. When you have a head trauma, your extremities begin to come in like this and, and they begin to take, they took her away and did some more tests. And, and my wife got, found that Gideon Bible in the, in the room, and she's reading the Word of God because she knew where to go because well, the Word of God was hidden in our heart that we might not sin against God. We put the Word of God in our three-year-old. Folks, the time to put the Word of God in your kids and your grandkids is not when they're 16. Well, they don't know what they're saying. Folks, you don't have to understand how 357 works. All you got to know is if you pull this trigger, somebody's head disappears. That's all you got to know. You don't have to know how many grain bullet and how many. Are you gonna? I pull this trigger. You don't have a head. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Put the word of God in her, because it's alive. The word of God is quick. It's alive. When you read those scriptures, when you read those healing scriptures, you're not just reading words. You're reading the very breath of God himself, and it energizes you. It hooks up. It feeds your spirit man to help you to believe a God that can do the impossible. They came out there, and they said, uh, we're not going to do the surgery here because we've, got, we've done these tests, and we've run, done these scans, and, and your little girl has a severe trauma to the brain. This, this bone is just totally destroyed here. We're going to do reconstructive surgery on her face, put her eye back where it needs to be and all those kind of things and do that, but we're not going to do that here. We're going to do it at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. And my wife was so calm. They let her ride in the ambulance on the way over there. And that day, once again, we didn't used to take pictures with our phone. You had to go to Walmart, and you'd pay them like $12, and then you'd go in there, and you'd buy, they'd sell you like $500 worth of pictures that you couldn't afford because you just got married. Anyway, she had just got those pictures that day, and the devil began to talk to her. I'm going to kill your daughter, and if she lives, she's going to be ugly. She's going to be deformed. She's going to be this, and she's going to be that because they said, listen, we're going to take her over to Vanderbilt University Medical Center because your daughter probably won't live through the night. Because now she's not bleeding on the outside. She's, the pressure is now on her brain. Her head is swelling and getting bigger and bigger. And if she does live, she'll probably be a vegetable the rest of her life. We've, but we're going to take her over there and let to see what they can do. And my wife is there with that picture on the inside of her. Can I get a microphone for my wife? I get a, I got that picture, and she'd look at that picture, and every time the devil would lie to her, she says, no, so shall my daughter be. So shall my, she walked around that picture, and she said, she's like, come on over here, baby. I always tell this story, but, and I don't always have you here with me. What, tell us what was going through. Meanwhile, back in the ranch, what was going on while you're holding that picture, whatever God's put on your heart to share? Well, he said I was calm. I mean, no, I wasn't like. Out of, yeah, hysterical, thank you. Uh, but of course, you know, the fear tries to rise up. And so, you know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about faith at that point. I knew that it was God's will to heal. I knew that it was not his will for my child to die. And so that's what you hang on to, the, the thing that you know, you know. And, um, and like you said, I had that picture, and I took it out of my purse and said, no, she's going to look like this. You know, because what that's not God's will if somebody gets healed and they've still got all this junk they got to live with for the rest of their life. That's not his will. And 
you know, he, he'll continue to tell the story, but um, yeah, the blood stopped and there were things that happened along the way, but she had her eye covered when we took her home. She only stayed overnight. She had her eye covered and, you know, she looked like she'd been beat up. And I remember taking her to the store and people were like, uh, what happened to her? You know, and then I started feeling like they think I, I hit her. Yeah. And so I didn't go back for a while. But, but when we went back two weeks later, you know, the, there should have been damage to the eye. There should have been something, but there wasn't anything. They did the eye test. She is the only one out of the four people in our family who does not wear glasses. Okay? So God did it, and he did it right. And he loves us, and he wants us to be healed. Amen. That's beautiful. Because what happened was when they took her over to Vanderbilt, they did the test again. And they come out after a long time. It seemed like forever for us. He says, we don't understand because these tests they did in Lebanon, Tennessee, said your little girl should be a vegetable the rest of her life if she makes it through the night. But we just did these tests again, and we don't understand this, but we're going to put two stitches right here and two stitches right here, and we're going to watch her overnight because it's a head trauma, but you can take your little girl home in the morning. And like she said, we didn't, Donna, could you flow in the Holy Ghost or whoever turn it is to flow? <laughs> I don't mess up any kind of deal. But let me tell you something, folks. She said, we didn't know a lot about faith. God, you don't have to know all the answers. You just, all you need is just enough to know. I believe your word. If you show it to me in the word, I promise you I'll believe it. If you show it to me in the Bible, it's mine. I'll grab a hold of it. I'll take it. I'll run with it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Anything else you want to add to that? Glory to God. And you know, it's what I want to say to you is whatever is happening with you in your body, you know, maybe you don't have enough faith to believe, okay, everything's going to be perfect, but deal with the thing that's in front of you, you know, um, because we were believing it that God would heal her, but yet we still had to deal with some things afterward, but it kept going. God kept healing. You know, you can't say, okay, well, we're out of the hospital now. We don't have to do anything anymore. We have to continue to believe God no matter where we are. We don't stop believing. Amen. We can't make an opening for the enemy to come in with fear again. We have to believe all the way through. All the way through. All the way through. Yeah. Amen. Don't turn your faith off. Be not afraid. Only believe. You know, sometimes you see a little duck going across the water. It looks like it's just in If you can see underneath that duck, there's a lot going on. That's kind of where she was. You know, and the outside, it's the peace of God that passes all understanding. Only underneath there, there's stuff going on. And you've got to pull every thought down. You've got to take it captive and say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. And then you begin to meditate on how much God loves you and God cares about you because His perfected love flushes out all that fear in Jesus' name. Right now, in the name of Jesus, my wife and I, we come into agreement right now. The spirit of fear that's trying to operate in your life concerning your miracle that you're believing God for, whether it's your finances, whether it's your physical body, whether it's your family, whether it's your ministry, I come up against the spirit of fear right now and I take you captive. They came to hear me preach. They came, and I, I'm a man under authority. I was asked to be here by the set man of this house, Rob Baker. And so, therefore, I take that position right now. He told me to obey God and yield to him. And so I yield to you right now, and I take my position of authority, and I command that spirit of fear, loose them. Let them go now in Jesus' name. There it goes. It's just like it, like a little bird just flew off your neck. Uh, oh, fear just flew out this place right now. Lift your hands up all across this room. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I cannot think of your name right now. Jonathan, come here quickly. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just lift your hands up. We're about to pray for everybody in the building. Don't move. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up, Jonathan. From this moment forward, when you minister, you're going to minister with a boldness and a fire like you've never had before. You know, I'm not trying to make you look like a Pentecostal preacher or this guy or that guy, but I promise you, you won't look like anybody you see on television either. There's a boldness and a fire that's going to come on the inside of you. And, and from instead of you pre heads are for thinking, hearts are for drinking. I'm going to teach you how to drink and in my spirit. And, 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 and I've given you a brilliant mind. But your messages will come out of your heart. And your heart will be on fire. And you've been called into pastoral ministry, but you're going to pastor in the supernatural. You're going to pastor with signs and wonders and miracles. This generation has had enough nice TED Talk type sermons. You can go ahead. You don't have to scream like I do. I'm old fashioned. It'd be easier my voice if I didn't. But I promise you from this night forward, there'll be a fire and a flow in the Holy Ghost. You have spent time hiding the Word of God away in your heart. It's there. You haven't trusted how much word you've built up in your heart over these last five years. It's there. Now make a demand on the deposit of my word. It'll flow out of you like a river. There's times that you see yourself. You're going to stop being frustrated with your sermons. Because they never come out the way you saw them coming out when you were praying over them. That's about to begin. Matter of fact, they're going, you're going to look back and say, wow, where did that come from? Fire! Yeah, help me. Fire! 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 Elizabeth, get up here, please. Quickly, please. I said, please. <laughs> Is Elizabeth here? Where's she? Where are you at? Glory to God. She's up here working. Hang out with me, sweetheart. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. There's a changing of the guard taking place in your house. This guy laying on the floor has been all very calm and methodical. He's about to freak you out. Yeah. Hallelujah. And instead of you being the one saying, come on, come on, come on. You're going to wait a minute now, wait a minute. Now, if you let your mind do that. But when you watch him step out in boldness and you watch him step out in the anointing, it'll come alive on the inside of your heart. And instead of trying to hold him back, you're going to throw gasoline on the fire. So go sick him, Lord. Get him, Lord. That's my man. Hallelujah. I knew it was in him the whole time. Oh, hallelujah. Tell her what Brother Copeland said about you flowing in your gifts. Where'd your microphone go? Glory to God. Hallelujah. When Brother Copeland laid hands on you, he talked about you, how you felt when you were going to use your gifts. I believe that God says in his word that we're heirs together of the grace of life. Mm -hmm. And you can walk beside him. You don't have to walk behind him. I don't believe you do it anyway. Because <laughs> you have that boldness. But God's given you that for a reason. And use what God's given you. Don't ever say, well, it's it's not my turn, it's not my thing. But just do what he tells you to do. And when you step out in faith, just like you step out for anything else, you'll know what to say. You'll know what to do. When you step out and do what God's called you to do, you're never stepping in front of your husband. You're stepping beside him doing what God's called you to do. Lift your hands up. Trish, lay your hands on her hands. The ministry of laying on, the gift of laying on of hands is coming on you from this night forward. 
You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll lay hands on, the, on people that are discouraged and the encouragement will come just simply by the presence of the Holy Spirit that's come. It's a spiritual gift that is yours. Take a deep breath. Take it now. In Jesus' name, on the top of your head, the soul here. There it is. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, touch her right now. Breste la rebarara borreshta. Rom bandingi dando morenda da mamrengishna da mamamamaya. Just lift your hands up all across this room right now. Hallelujah. Father God is moving right now. He's touching right now. He's touching right now. Stand up on your feet if you can. Stand up on your feet if you can. Hallelujah. Put your hands right here. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, everybody that's got their hands on their belly right now, I'm asking you, Lord God, I'm asking you, Father God, to give them a picture that you want them to have. You want them to, oh, can you see that? That God's showing you what your body's going to look like. He's showing what you're going to look like with your grandbabies. He's giving you a picture, and he's going to tear up the old picture of despair that the enemy gave you, and he's giving you a brand new picture of hope, a brand new picture of earnest expectation. For that's good son I'm pleased it just needs to be a little bit bigger I'm giving you permission to dream again did you not hear my word in the last days the old men will dream dreams Young men will see visions bigger, more outreach. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's it. Just lift your hands up all across this room. God's making pictures. He's developing negatives right now. He's developing pictures right now. Now say this after me. I can have what I'm seeing right now. It's mine. I take it now. I take it. It's mine. I take it right now. It's mine. I take it right now. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Begin to thank Him for what you're seeing. You may not feel it yet. You may not not have any idea how it's going to happen. Begin to thank Him for it now. Begin to thank Him. The house needs to be bigger. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If God is giving you a picture, if God is ministering to you right now and he's healing your hope, and you know the anointing is on you right now and God is stirring pictures up on the inside of you, and you would like for Trisha and I to lay our hands on you, and you don't have to tell me what your picture is, but when we lay our hand on you, we're coming into agreement that what you see on the inside is about to manifest on the outside. If that's you, get up out of your seat. Come up here and stand here quickly in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What you're seeing on the inside is about to manifest on the outside. Come quickly. Hallelujah. Let us agree with you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Keep light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. 